This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, everyone. It's your favorite podcast host here, Joe Redman, just letting you know that the TalkSport Fan Network is now proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Football on the Sports Social Podcast Network is brought to you by BetVictor, where those who think outside the box can create unique football bets from a combination of markets. Create your best bet with the innovative BetVictor Bet Builder. 18 plus, begambleaware.org. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that you can stay close to your team even if you don't live in their town. Like, maybe you're a Raven who married a Seahawk who got a job in the land of the Falcons. With NFL Sunday Ticket, you can watch your team's out-of-market Sunday afternoon games no matter where you live because you shouldn't have to change teams even if you change towns. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. We're going to build a train so big it can't be stopped. From the executive producers of Power. We got enemies eyeing us, cops clocking us. Comes the new season of Power Book 4, Force. Tommy Egan is the linchpin to breaking down all of these gangs. Egan's too dangerous to be left alive. Power Book 4, Force. Game over. Premieres Friday, September 1st, only on Stars and the Stars app. What a bowling! Scott Arfield! He's been threatening that recently! And all the Burnley players run to the Hello everyone and welcome along to the latest episode of Turfcast Podcast here on the Turfcast Podcast YouTube channel and of course Turfcast Podcast with me, Joe Redmond and my co-host Nathan James Rogers. No game this week, of course the Luton Town game was postponed thanks to their stadium improvements. But we're not going to leave you wanting. We're going to keep the big interviews coming. Of course, we had a big interview recently uh, with Matt Hodgson. Uh, we've got another big interview coming up with you today with Russell Ball, the director of fan experience at Burnley Football Club. So sit back, relax. There's no Burnley game this weekend. It doesn't matter. We've still got some turf cast for you, though. Evening, welcome to the Turfcast uh, podcast. I'm joined by, obviously, Joe Redman, you know him well, and I am joined by uh, Russell Ball, the Director of Fan Experience from Burnley Football Club. How are you doing, Russell? Really well. Great to be on. Good. Thanks for joining us. Let's say we really appreciate you taking your time to come and talk to us and, uh, yeah, jump on Turfcast and give us a little insight in what goes on behind the scenes at the football club and your role. Um, and So, yeah, we just really appreciate taking your time. Pleasure. It's good to be on. 
Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you on, Russell, really. We've been connected on LinkedIn for quite some time, so it's good to finally get, get to talk as well. Um, but first of all, obviously, we know that your role is a director of fan experience. Um, just, just tell the listeners more what exactly that role is and what it entails. Happy to, yeah. So a lot of people ask me that question because it's not necessarily a title that's uh, well-known or understood. Uh, and I think the, the basis of trying to understand my role is understanding that we have American ownership. Uh, an American customer service, I think, generally, for anyone who's been to the United States, will understand is a cut above generally where we are. Uh, and so when American ownership comes into a British uh, club like this, one of the things that they're keen to improve is uh, customer relations. And so my my job, my main role really, is helping to transform and oversee and make sure we have an effective um, fan policy that allows the experience of coming to a match day. Our goal is to have the best match day experience in football. You know, we make no apology for that. Um, and so we've got uh, quite a way to go, but we hopefully, and perhaps we'll discuss some of that tonight, some of the things that we've done that would hopefully make that journey a bit better. So my role is basically categorise where if anything good happens on match day, it's somebody else. And if it's anything bad that's happened, it's my fault. <laughs> it's probably the best way of putting it. Yeah. So, like it. So... Give us a brief sort of rundown of your um, sort of experience in, you know, your working life. How did you get to where you are today? Like, tell us a little bit more about yourself and what your past experience around what, you know, what does that translate to in this current role you've got? I think like many people who end up working in football, the passion, first of all, comes from loving football. Mm -hmm. um, my experience previously professionally was um, I spent uh, five or six years working in the city of London uh, before then turning to property. And I um, owned uh, property companies in London for the last 25 years, which I sold uh, a few years before coming into Burnley Football Club. So um, actually, funny enough, not related to football or fan experience in any way, shape or form. However, both my jobs were customer service based, really, because uh, servicing clients needs all the time. Yeah, fair enough. Um, so we will talk about match day experience in just a second. Um, but talk us through like a, a day in the life of your role at the turf then. So obviously alarm goes off, I presume, at 5am. Um, you're keen into work straight away. Uh, but what sort of things do you do on a day-to-day -day basis at the club? Yeah, great question. Um, the great thing about this job is, is that it's so varied. Every day is literally different. And I know that's a bit cliched these days. But it is really so different. But things that you'd expect to handle, really. So within my team, I've got the um, supporter liaison officer uh, and we've also got the disability access officer and then all of the matchday staff that are associated uh, with those roles. Uh, and then I've got visibility over, obviously, um, seeing how everything is running on match day. So I work closely with Doug Metcalf, who's, of course, uh, director of operations here and, and puts on the games uh, and making sure uh, that the hospitality offerings, the concourse offerings, the fan zone, all of that. So all of the preparation work for those on match days is what we deal with. I also deal with uh, customer complaints, uh, concerns around the service, anything that might be just helping any fan of the club to feel closer and connected to making sure we're resolving any of their challenges. But forward looking also making sure that we're preparing uh, new ways to engage with our fans, uh, whether that be digitally or face to face, whether it's at the games uh, here or abroad. Wherever that might be, it's just making sure that we're reaching out to as many of our fan base as we can. Uh, but at the same stretch, an average day for me can be uh, entailed in any number of uh, business meetings in relation to the running of the, of the business. Obviously, the football club, like any football club, is pretty much broken down into two uh, sections, the playing and the non-playing side. Uh, mm. 
primarily were on the non-playing side, but of course I also have all of the players, their families, uh, the coaches, the backroom staff to take care of when it comes to match day as well. They need to have the very best match day experience. And certainly as far as Vincent is concerned, um, providing all of those people alongside the fans uh, with a good match day experience is imperative to what we call uh, our 1%. What, what's my 1% in contributing to the win? Uh, and, and that's part of it. So it's organizing all of that. But as you can imagine, in any business, and football's no different, there are a million things uh, by virtue of their diversity that come up every every day uh, that, that create different things. We're also constantly developing a strategy and moving the club forward. We have absolutely a desire to achieve our goal, which is to have the best, for the fans to have the best experience in football. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, obviously, it's a bit of a buzzword at the minute, uh, match day experience. You've said it yourself. I've said it several times already on, on, in this interview. I remember Alan Pearce saying it quite early on in his time here. Um, there's a lot been done outside the ground, hasn't there, uh, in recent in recent months? Obviously, a lot of roadworks and stuff, but um, yeah, the, the payments are now looking a lot better. Um, there's the, the town to turf thing. Um, so what other things uh, are you doing to, to try and improve the match day experience and what things can we see coming up in, in the next year or two to, to improve that match day experience for the fans? So if you look back, uh, I came in originally with ALK um, into as, uh, under the new ownership. Uh, and it was very clear right from the onset that there were small things that we can do that would have a big impact. So if you take, the, for instance, we had, I forget the number now, but I think it was 13 different types of stock brick that we used around the stadium. So all in different shades of yellow, green, mold and, and other uh, colours. And just tying all of those together uh, by painting it that sort of charcoal black, uh, yeah. making things feel a bit more industrial at the Harry Potts way area those are sorts of things that when we first came in were just small but important things and then of course the first thing that we did in terms of the lounges is that we put in the long side lounge the boxes and the centenary you know i mean it was amazing to us that when we turned up there were it wasn't really any way of a corporate guest hiring a box they had petitions that you could create areas but there was no actual box so that was yeah. obviously a massive project and then not long after that it was very obvious to us that the outside fan zone which, speaking frankly, was a loss-making entity. Um, by the time you paid for for everything that was going on there and, and the couple of hundred people that showed up, there was it was a, literally a damp experience, right? So we decided to move the fan uh, zone inside and just test that and see how that went. Um, and if you forward wind to the City game, we had uh, 2,400 people that went through that fan zone on um, on Friday night. So again, we put the big screen in there. And then, of course, there was the whole... Uh, improving the in-bowl and out-bowl experience with the LED. And I know at the time we were under fire a little bit because we spent quite a bit of money on that. And I think we got more than a few emails suggesting that we should, should have bought a player with that money. And I hope that that is, if you like, a demonstration of, of what the, the vision and the strategy of the ownership is, is that, yes, of course, we could have gone and bought a £4 million player. But actually, the revenue that that's generated, even in the last two and a half years, has helped us uh, to, to provide for far more than just one player. Uh, and, and has also given us huge commercial opportunities. Um, you know, we partnered there with ADI, uh, who have provided all of that. And uh, it's been a great partnership that. And uh, we, you know, we have the capacity to to improve that beyond where it is now. Then, of course, ahead of this season, we put in the new Jimmy McElroy suite, um, which has just gone in. Uh, and then, of course, uh, in more in more recent weeks as well, the, the self-order units that have gone into some of the concourses, food offerings have changed. Um, 
And there are other things that, that have gone on sort of behind the scenes, small things like where the players now come in, all that's been tied in with the charcoal paint, much better, much more professional looking, better for interviews, better for fan engagement. When they come up, you know, we want to create an autograph area there. Mm. So it's sort of as you look forward, it's like how can we get the fans to get more involved with the playing side without interrupting um, what it is that Vincent wants his players to be doing on match day? And that's obviously a quite a difficult balancing act. We've increased the number of hospitality um, sit, uh, seats as a result of the, the improvements. Um, so there's been a lot that's gone on. And obviously the Town to Turf project has been, you know, really fantastic. And again, Doug's overseen yeah. all of the implementation of that. And we managed to get just about ourselves ready for at least Harry Potter's way, mostly uh, for the City game. And uh, obviously the bridge closures uh, have been a bit challenging, but uh, hopefully that will improve. So lots to go on. And all I can tell you is that the vision of the board, certainly of Alan, is to continue to improve uh, to, to make that experience. And uh, it's a funny one, though, because you don't want to lose the really authentic feel of the stadium. It's a really fine balance that, you know, because mm. even when you've got, you know, that's like Daniel Levy and others that come and they can't get away from the fact that, you know, we're right on the pitch. He can hear everything that Vincent is shouting and mm. everything that all the fans are shouting and you're right on the pitch. Yeah. Um, you know, you go to Tottenham, it's a fantastic stadium, it's a billion pound stadium, but yeah. you feel like you're hovering above the play. You know, it's it's yeah. not real. So, um, no, I mean, it's a, an incredible facility, make no mistake, but it cost a billion quid. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, so, and that was, that was what, five years ago, six years ago. Yeah. So, I mean, what's that now? 1.2? Yeah. Yes, it's a lot of money. So we're not getting the Turf more Mega Ball anytime soon. Though, <laughs> we're not saying? planning on starting the pictures in if anyone's worried now. <laughs> no, I just wanted to add to the match day experience. I know, obviously, I noticed that on Friday when I went back, the, the feel of the place just felt a bit more polished, a bit more refined. You know, it felt a bit more Premier League. You know, it, it, that's that's probably the only way I can describe it. And you know, and, and I don't really, you know, I've, I've always sort of wanted us to keep the charm of the football club because it's so important but to have the little tweaks here and there are key but and I think yeah I think you are you know I'm not just doing this just to blow smoke up you know the club's backside or whatever but just you're nailing the little things you know you're doing the little things right I think and it's working and it's building to make this bigger better you know image of the club and I think when visiting fans come and they see what it was like what it is like I think they're gonna you know notice a big difference and stuff so yeah just well, we survey to... fans as you know on the way out uh, or, or mm. you know after email and so forth but we do that with the away fans as well. And it's incredible that the, probably the biggest sentiment we get is, is that it feels like football should feel. Yeah. Now you can read into that, interpret that as you wish. But for me, that's a compliment. That's, yeah. you know, sometimes it's good to look forward and sometimes it's okay to look back as well. And we don't want to lose the, the emotion that, that was in football in the seventies and the eighties and the nineties. But at the same stretch, we've got a, we've got a cater in this crazy league that we're in now. Yeah. You know, where we're, we're comp competing with, you know, countries that alone uh, yeah, exactly yeah uh, club owners you know it, it, yeah. it's, it's finding that balance of of creating an yeah. environment that is is fit for the premier league without losing the charm that as you say yeah. the club's got yeah i think we, we have always sort of you know before sort of the alk takeover, we have sort of struck that balance really well i've always felt we've always sort of kept the charm of the club um mm. it always yeah it always felt like every time we've spoke to opposition fans whether it's on the pod or in passing stuff they always say that they love coming to the turf because it 
it's not a nice away day, you know what I mean? It's not a, it's it's the throwback, you know. It's and that's what we want. That's we don't want. I don't want it to be like Tottenham's ground. Loved it. I was just such a fanboy experience. Like you know, I loved the drinks that filled up from the bottom. <laughs> I had like, you know, chicken and rice at half time. You know, like that wasn't a traditional away day for me. That was just like a nice day out. You know, I could have took the family. We could have had a nice three course meal in the concourse. But no, <laughs> I think what you're doing is right. You, you, you're upgrading it, but keeping it you know, to the to what it should be, which is a tight old, you know, Lancashire Milltown ground. So Well, one of the um, classic examples of this though is, is like, you know, we introduced at the last game uh, to certain areas the Nacho hot dog, the Nacho's hot mm. dog, which it sounds so American, especially versus a pie, right? Yeah. Um Love it. but they've been a huge success amongst yeah. many of the fans, you know. Uh, and 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 I'm sure if we sat down hundred Burnley fans and said we want to serve hot dogs, I'm not sure how many would have said brilliant idea. They would have probably just said, Where's my pie? Yeah. And that's fine. They can still have a pie. But the, actually, when you taste one of these hot dogs, you yeah. go, pie's great, but actually this is not bad at all. No. I, I must admit, I did have a, um, a Donna meat sausage roll on Friday. There you it go. Was How was it? Yeah, so yeah, it was fantastic. Yeah, I, I, did, I didn't realise what it was until I bit <laughs> into it. And then I went, tastes like kebab, this. This is brilliant. <laughs> so, One anyway, of the perks we... of my job is I get to try all this before it comes on. Lovely. Oh, yeah. That. Like, yeah more that's a great more, little perk. Yeah, bring more of those donors over. So every match day, it's going to be like, oh, we just need to tweak the menu just a little bit yeah. more, I think. <laughs> it's not good for my BMI, though. <laughs> yeah. um, right, so moving away from the stadium then onto the fans. So as fan experience, your you know, director of fan experience, how engaged are you with fans on social media? Because obviously that's now a major part in sort of a fan experience now. So how engaged are you with the fans on so- social media? And does what you see and read on there sort of have an effect on your day-to-day actions or your role, for an example? Yeah, if we categorise this as, if you like, just generally as incoming messages, right? Yeah. Uh, obviously, we get emails. Uh, I get messages on LinkedIn, WhatsApp, text. Um, but obviously, we're very mindful uh, with our presence on social media as to what that is. And that is monitored heavily. And I think mm. one of the misconceptions is, is that, you know, as a club or an individual, we might not regularly... In, um, we might not regularly uh, respond or reply or comment on things, but that doesn't mean to say that we're not only looking at those messages, yeah. but taking them on board. So if we bring things right up to speed, I mean, obviously there were a few things from the city match that, that we wish we could have done better. Um, and that we've taken our feedback and we've got a spreadsheet here in the office and it, it denotes where, where the message was, whether it was online, whether it was an email, so forth. Um, what categorizing it into whether, whether it was concourses, food, drink, prices, what was it? Um, and then we're just filtering down through that. Now we've got an insight manager here who's just putting that into um, a format that allows us to now respond. Uh, we made a we made a response at five o'clock today that went out to every single person that attended the match, just apologising for some of the failures from 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 the game, um, judging by our own high standards. And I think one of the challenges is, you know, we've got uh, Levy that have come in and helped us with um, with catering from this season onwards. But the way that the fixtures for our um, preseason worked out, they were all abroad. Now, normally a, a club has the opportunity of having a bit of a preseason test match, if you like, yeah. in the sense that you can, we had all those self-ordering units, new cookers, new catering, new lounges, new offerings, new staff. And we didn't have a chance to test any of that until the first person yeah. walked through the door. And that was regrettable. But in, sorry, in terms, of, in terms of getting back to your question, we do monitor everything. Yeah. Um, uh, and in terms of staying in touch, like every single person that's written to us will get a response from us. Um, and we will try where we can to personalize and make sure that we're addressing the actual needs that they've got. We're not just blanketing. Yeah. Um, 
one of my team, for instance, um, as you can imagine, both uh, Vincent and Alan get a lot of personal emails, mail, stuff through the post. Um, and for Alan, you know, one of my guys looks after every single thing that comes in. Mm-hmm. So it's it's actioned and read. And then what happens is, is that uh, a, a, co- a response is sent from Alan that Alan has yeah. approved. There's not too many clubs, I don't think, in the no. Premier League where the chairman is aware um, so we have a spreadsheet that he can access anytime he wants and he knows what mails come in that day and what mm-hmm. the proposed responses are. And if he's not, if he's not happy with any of those responses, then he'll let us know. And genuinely in many cases, he'll respond personally. Now yeah. it might be, it might be from one of my guys, but it's been his response yeah. because he's wanted to pick that up. So, uh, and I'll do the same. I've met many people here in the club who have wanted to cover, you know, we're very happy to meet face to face um and and to and to chat things through and of course yeah. we'll probably lead on to this but we've also got the fan advisory board which we'll talk a little bit about i'm sure coming up but that's also one of our thermometers if you like of making sure yeah. that we really have got a good idea as to what the fan base are doing yeah. but just just to be crystal clear please don't think that we are not aware of or ignore or aren't interested in the views shared by the fans on any form of social media you know i think i think it'd be fair to say some of it's just total nonsense yeah. because because i think it'd be fair to say that's the same with anything right i mean yeah. it doesn't matter even, even you know, where you get that on turf gust right <laughs> so. you, you know you're not uh, you're not going to please all the people all the time we get that we want to try and please everyone all the time but actually mm. sometimes i mean i got i got a response this week um from the city game um and it listed someone being photographed with a number of key individuals that were here on the game um, and ended up just complaining about the heat of a sausage, you know. But actually, if you look at <laughs> content of that email and what that person got by way of fan experience, pictures with the chairman, with JJ, yeah. really perfect. I mean, think about that. You go to City or Man United or Arsenal, it's just not going to happen, right? Yeah. These guys are out there, you know. And um, so that's, you know, so you can't, you can't, you know, we got it wrong because the sausage was a bit cold. I, you know, yeah. can I control that? Yeah, to a degree, but <laughs> to a degree. <laughs> Put intended, yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, one thing I do want to talk to you about is because um, Burnley's very much a community club. Um, the turf itself is, is smack bang in the middle of the town, just a stone's throw from the town centre. Uh, the club means so much to so many people. If the club wasn't there, for example, it would just have a, such a detrimental effect on not just the mental health because of how much we like it, but financially and things like that on the town so the community aspect of it is massive and I know you do a lot in the community um, as a club but obviously on the flip side of that I know there's a big thing at the minute of trying to improve the the brand I know people don't like using that word but I think we've just got to get used to that word now in football football clubs are brands Um, and the exposure that uh, we're trying to increase in places like America and Australia and obviously America uh, you know with Alan and Do Perfect and JJ and stuff like that is it difficult to, 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 to do one and the other? Um, or, or, are you, or are you finding it sort of like a, a difficult balancing act to, to keep that community club feel and, and still be able to push out this exposure in America is basically what I'm trying to ask. Yeah, no, it's a great question. And and it is one that's very relevant because, you know, we can't shy away from the fact that firstly, we've got American ownership. So it would be mm-hmm. kind of naive of us to imagine that they want to keep it the club a secret from the US, right? Yeah. Um, the other is that... Um, you know, the partners that we have been partnering with have a genuine interest in the community side of things. Um, we also need to be mindful, again, referring back to this idea that in order to be competitive in the Premier League, we have to find 
sources of income that will help us be competitive. Uh, and everybody knows that um, one of those ways is increasing fan base, particularly abroad, uh, through merchandising and other events that allow us to continue to, one, raise exposure, but also uh, to, to raise finances uh, in order to continue to compete. Um, so it is a, you're right, it is a challenge because we know firsthand by being here for the last couple of years or so. I mean, I, you can probably tell from my accent, I don't come from Burnley. Um, I live down in Surrey, but I'm here every week or week. I travel up and down every week. Um, and I can tell you that I have genuinely grown to love not only the club, but the town and the people in it. Uh, and when I'm south, people say to me, what, you know, what's Burnley like? And I said, it's really straightforward. If I get a puncture in Surrey, I'll get beat by the five cars behind me and told to do one. <laughs> I get a puncture in Burnley, the first five cars will pull over and say, do you need a hand? Mm. That's the difference in the people, right? So I understand how important this club is to the people. Um, I understand that, it, that, that, as you say, that the results of the club can affect the emotions of the town and the income of the town in a dramatic way. Um, and I think, I think that Alan, and you've probably seen the film, I think you get a bit of an insight to who Alan is. Alan cares. This is not an American owner who lives in New York. Sure, he has a home there, but it's rented out. He doesn't even live there. He lives here yeah. and he cares about this. He eats in every restaurant in the town, even goes into pubs. You know, he's, he's, you know, he's here and he's vested and we get that feeling. And if I, I can assure you, if we weren't, we're reminded every day. Mm. So you're right. Finding that balance. And one of my charges is to increase exposure in the U.S. particularly. Yeah. And yes, JJ, do perfect and others that will come will continue to work with us on that. Um, but my balancing act is to always ensure that we keep the balance absolutely right. Do we want coach loads of Americans turning up and enjoying turf? Yes, but only because they're enjoying it alongside the Burnley fans who are already having a fantastic fan experience. And if we lost one for the other, then I'll have failed in my responsibilities for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's 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 always interesting to see how uh, how something that's two completely different things um, sort of like work together. Um, so it's interesting um, to hear that. You mentioned Alan there, though. Um, obviously, you said you came in with ALK. Uh, what's your relationship with Alan like? Great. Yeah, Alan is just um, is just everything. He's like Ron Seal, right? <laughs> uh, those those who are our younger audience won't understand that, but he is exactly who he says he is. I've known Alan for 30 years and I wouldn't be here if I thought Alan was a fraud or a sham or he was out to fleece the club of money or mm. he is 100% vested into this club. And I don't mean monetarily. I mean, his mm. whole life. Uh, yeah. he, he spends 20 hours a day thinking, working and building everything he can to make sure that this club exceeds all expectation and the only limit that will be placed on Alan is what others place on him because mm. he sees no limit he sees no limit um and he is um he is true to everything and i think you know i was here when you know when the very difficult decision to release sean from his contract you know and i saw i saw the range of emotions mm. uh, that alan went through uh, around that and the challenge that was and, and seeing some of the comments which is you know you expect and, and you see but you know we're still just people right and trying to do the right thing 
Um, and knowing his master plan, he's like a chess player who's always five moves ahead. You're looking at why he's just moved the king towards the pro, you know, to the towards the pawn, but he's five. He's he's already five ahead of you. So when that decision came, he he already had three managers that he knew could come to the club. It wasn't just a knee jerk reaction, um, and that's a whole different topic. But my point is, it just shows you that he he doesn't do things irrationally. He doesn't do things without a considerable amount of thought, understanding, yeah. um, and care for the club. Everything that we do in the club, every meeting that we have, everything that we speak about is what's best for the club. It's not what's best for Alan or his partners. It's what's best for the club. Yeah. So yeah, I, th- I think I think to be fair, I don't think I, even after watching, well, before watching the the documentary, I never for one second thought he didn't care. But I, and I don't think anybody can can level that at Alan and say you don't care about the club after w- watching the documentary. Like, it's turned into a bit of a meme now. But the fact that he's even wiping the tables, um, yeah. you know, when he's been shouted at in, in the fans, or you can clearly see that he cares. And obviously, he lives locally as well. Um, yeah, I don't think anyone can can accuse Alan of not caring. Yeah, he's uh, he's totally he's totally in. Yeah. And I, you know, and I don't want to. I'm not disparaging other owners because I'm sure they're all in too. But I think Alan is is a special owner of a club. Yeah, well, I've watched you know watched a couple of documentaries and they have some sort of involvement and it sort of did feel sometimes I'm not naming documentary but sometimes it could feel staged and sort of pre you know they've sort of preempted right we're going to put you in this situation this is how it's going to play out blah 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 but that felt genuine the interactions that he had you know and we you know they're totally genuine and you could ask any member of staff who is here um they would say the same to you and i'll give you one example of of how this is true so when we were finishing the uh the longside lounge two seasons ago um it was during covid and our building uh, project ran over um alan was in london with Stu hunt uh, and i was here uh, with a number of the other guys and we knew that we needed literally every hand to get that lounge ready for that first game of that season Alan drove from London. He left about eight o'clock in the evening and he got here after midnight. And he, along with Stu and our family members, were scraping paint off of that floor ourselves alongside the contractors and the cleaners till 4.30 a.m. that morning. Yeah. Right. I would, you saw him shoveling snow off the pitch. This is not for the cameras. Yeah. It's not staged. It's who he is. Yeah. Again, going back to the breakdown thing, and I've been with him. I've been there. I've got the T-shirt. If someone's broken down, he pulls over. Yeah. That's who he is. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I, you know, I mean, obviously everyone will reach their own conclusions as to who Alan is, but yeah. but I've known him for 30 years. I've actually known him longer than anybody at this club, yeah. uh, including mm-hmm. his partners, and I know who he is. That's good. That's good. That's, the, obviously, the general feeling at the beginning was, who's this guy? You know, like this was everybody that came in. It was very much... Who the hell are these guys? Yeah. What are they doing? They don't know. You know, the, the snippets on the documentary, there's them sound bites. They don't know Burnley. They don't get it. They never will. But I mean, I'm not just saying this because you're on here and, you know, it's, it's going to get recorded, but you guys get it. You know, you can see yeah. that, you know, bef- you know, before we move on to the next question, you yeah. guys get it. And that was before the documentary. I, I you know, it, it took a couple of months to bed in and realize, but then after that summer, but the trust, rebuild. Trust takes, you know, you have to earn trust. Yeah. We didn't come and expect everyone to trust us. Um, it was needed, especially off the back of other ownership groups. You know, we we, we understand that, but trust yeah. has to be earned. 
Yeah, I, I agree with that. Trust does have to be earned, but I also think that you shouldn't also come into a situation and suddenly be not trusted, whereas I think mm. there was some there were some sides of that. Um, but I, I, I do feel like we'll come out the other side of it. Yeah. I don't even think it's the town. I just think that's football. Yeah, Yeah. true. No, I agree. Yeah, I do we agree. We were only a few months into our tenure here when the Super League thing blew up. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and suddenly we were as bad as all the other owners. Mm. You know, it's, it, you know, <laughs> You know, and, and honestly, we were at—I don't know whether you remember—that was the Man United game, and we were we were at Man United in the boardroom when that news broke, and we didn't understand why everyone was disappearing on their phones. Mm. You know, all of the other ownerships, and then of course we, our phones blew up, and there we were. You know, in the middle of one of the clubs that was actually, you know, propagating it really. You know, so that was an interesting afternoon. Nice. Um, and and yeah, you're right. We came in, and you know, I was in property. These guys are in banking, finance, hedge funds. Yeah. Right. I mean, we don't profess to to know exactly how to run a football club. But we know how to run a business. And I know there's a big debate about that. But if you can't get the club and the finances right, you're dead in the water. Mm. And then you add an element like Vince, who knows his football reasonably yeah. well. He's got <laughs> a good a combination, right? You know, yeah. I mean, you know, players, players are players. You know, Alan wouldn't profess to know what the proficiencies of any new proposed player is, but he relies on his technical teams and, and Vincent. So everybody, yeah. everybody's got their speciality. It's when you come together and you put all that together that you get really good traction, hopefully. Yeah, fair enough. Sounds like you've built a good team, but, but we knew that already. Well, um, we'll we be honest. There's a lot of people who are not at the club now who were, yeah. and they're great people. But people had a choice as to whether or not to switch gears a little bit or not. Yeah. And, um, you know, we've got a lot of people that are, that are really in gear now. So, yeah. And we're yeah, just getting going. You know, I I, this isn't a fate complete. This is not. This is not us done. This is us just getting going. Right. Yeah. We had the hiccup of, of relegation. We had an incredible season to come back. Uh, we've got the hardest game in the league out of the way. <laughs> I think we played pretty well. Um, cool, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, and and we're excited. You know, um, but no one's resting on any laurels. Yeah. So happy days. Happy days. Yep. Moving on, I know, I know we've mentioned it a couple of times, but Mission to Burnley. Um, obviously, it's gone down quite well with the fan base. Um, yep. I know I enjoyed it. I, I saw I saw yourself in it quite a few times. Um, I particularly enjoyed the bits at um, driving to Ewood. Uh, saying, well, that, when, when I wave, I only wave with all my fingers. <laughs> I remember laughing at that bit. Um, but how's the documentary gone down within the club? Um, I, I, presume, I presume you've all, all, all seen it now and all enjoyed it. Yeah, the, the club uh, employees uh, have all seen it. And I was talking to some of the coaching staff just yesterday about it. And obviously. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theatres, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Away days are fantastic, especially when you win the league at Ewood Park. But there's still nothing quite like playing at home. The same goals for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Um, no one feels like a natural in front of the camera, but what's interesting is, is that 
as you'll appreciate, to create four hour long episodes. I have no idea how many hours of footage they took, but there were cameras with us all over the place all the time. Um, and, uh, you know, it gets edited down to, as you know, a final edition that, that you've seen. Um, and so for most people, you know, it's it's been quite funny because most people on their phones now have got some kind of picture of themselves, you know, behind a wine bottle or behind a door or something where they've just walked through a room or something. Um, and yeah, I think it's brought uh, a sense of togetherness. And I think, honestly, the thing I would say about it that, that I, I've heard and that it's not dissimilar to what we've already spoken about, everyone knows who Alan is and, and his partners. Um, he, they know who they are. They know they're genuine people. And the thing that they're really were anticipating was was that that would come across because you know it's like sometimes films documentaries can be made and if there's an agenda you can you can make somebody look really quite goofy right um but i think that alan and his partners and his family came across exactly as they are that's the thing i think that's that's really pleased the um the staff members really yeah yeah like you said, the documentary does, I think, it like I said, we've previously spoke to Matt about it, Matt Hodgson, who's one of the, the producers on the show, and he explained what he wanted to get out of it, and he said he was surprised at the level of one of access and honesty that he got from people on camera, that what you I've see on camera I've, is what you I've come get. down. I've come down from having a shower with my hair all over the place and, and no top on, and there's been a camera at the bottom of the stairs. I'm like, <laughs> that is actually hilarious. Yeah. I was like, is this really footage people want to see? Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, uh, in terms of a Burnley fan base, like we, you know, we, we wax lyrical about it to, to man saying that we never have, we never had stuff like this, and this felt like a, like a gear change from the club of right. They know what they want to do. They know what, you know, what the plan is, and and this is part of the plan. What what were you hoping the documentary would bring to the club? You know, what were the reasons behind the documentary? You know, and what do you think it will bring back to the club now it's out there? Yeah, I mean, genuinely, I'm not absolutely sure exactly what it was that Alan wanted to, to mm-hmm. bring out of it. He had a lot of uh, influence on the editing. You know, that was an important thing to him. So obviously what's come out, the messages that have come out or what people have heard are, are what Alan wants to hear. Honestly, from my point of view, um, and I know I keep referring to it, but it was more a case of just letting everybody know how hard we're working, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> how much we care. And how much we're vested into this from a personal point of view. And I don't mean financially. I mean, I mean like the sacrifice that we will make. I mean, I, I don't see my family uh, for four to five days at a time and sometimes seven or eight days at a time. And has that has been the case every week for two and a half years. So so and I'm looking for, I'm not looking for plaudits here. I'm just saying I know that. I know the sacrifice that, you know, others have made. Stu Hunt has just moved his entire family here last Friday uh, from Utah. You know, he's now living here as well and taking up a position as president here in the club. You know, so again, that's a whole nother family that have been out uh, uprooted from the US yeah. and brought here because he wants to be here. He's traveling back and forth. It's one thing driving to Surrey. It's a whole nother thing flying back to Utah, right? Yeah. So, so that was my hope was that, was that people would see us not acting like we cared because I don't think you can act for four hours that no. this means a lot to us. It, it's because it does. Yeah, you can soon on some documents you can soon sniff out the propaganda. You know, to want of a not a strong, you know, to use a strong yeah. word, you can you can really sniff yeah. out propaganda when you see it, and that never felt like that from minute one. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it felt really honest and open, and it, it, yeah, I think so. 
Yeah, and I, so I work with a couple of lads that are like, you know, Man City fans and, you know, work in the city or you know, in Liverpool fans. And, and they watched it and they're like, oh, I really didn't expect to see that from the mm-hmm. club. I, I, I get what the club are trying to do and it's actually put the club back in a, a good light. You know, we sometimes mm-hmm. end up being thrown in the wrong side of the light sometimes at our club. And, yes. um, you know, it was nice to see that that side of it um, yeah. come, you know, come out and, and we're actually being projected in a positive light. So I think... Our own well, it goes, it goes back to a little bit. A little bit. It goes back to what you were asking me earlier about the American side of things. Mm. Um, you know, the challenge is that for us at the moment is if you ask an American which football team they support, it's going to be one of the top four or six, almost certainly, right? Mm. And we understand that. Um, we want Burnley to become a household name in the US because yeah. that should be the go-to team. And the only way you do that is that you play great attacking football, you have good results, but you've got that hard work ethic. It, you know, it goes a little mm. bit back to what we were saying about JJ and his wife, Keila. Um, you know, they, I spent three days with them before they joined us. Um, and his sole purpose, their sole purpose, was to see what our involvement as a club was in the community. Yeah. So we spent three hours in the food bank just understanding how it works. Um, we went into various different community projects. So of the three days that I had them, um, two and a half days of that was spent in the community. And you can see he comes here. Yeah, he goes to the Royal Dice because it makes great Instagram. But it actually, he goes there when the cameras aren't there. And he goes and talks yeah. to Justine and he gets to know people in the pub and he cares. Right. I mean, yeah. he left on Friday night and he just said to me, if there's anything that you or the club need, then you call me straight away. And it doesn't mean, do you need money? Or is, mm. there, is there some TikTok I can make for you? He wants to know how he can help. It's like his baseball caps. You know, he's selling those in the US and all of the net proceeds of those go to the community. He doesn't yeah, need to great. He doesn't need yeah. to do that. He can still really... he can still swan in here and be the big guy and leave the big guy, but that's not who he is, although he is huge. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't I won't argue with that. <laughs> no. Well, we were having a meeting the other day. It was like, oh, you know, we need some security for JJ. So who do you give to JJ for security? <laughs> JJ doesn't need security. <laughs> It's like no, well, okay. no one in Burnley's got. I mean, you know, there might be a few brave souls, but I don't think yeah. they'd even contemplate it as soon as they got next no, to JJ. No. <laughs> so yeah, so you know, sorry, I know we're sort of bobbing around a bit, but it's just you know, there's just it's like it's it's all interwoven. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? It's like no one person is here with an agenda. Yeah. Or hmm. if there is an agenda, it's just to make this club the best it can possibly be. Yeah. You know. So. Yeah. Definitely. On JJ Watt, and obviously Do Perfect as well, uh, tell us more about how they came about and, and, and that sort of thing that you want to achieve with it. So in terms of how they came about, um, we've obviously got people that introduce us to these types of people all the time. Uh, and some people you wouldn't want invested into a club and, and others are interesting. And then you get people like these guys who have got uh, such a genuine, real interest in the club and the town. Mm. You know, do perfect. I mean, this was their first visit this weekend. Um, and um, again, they fall in love with the place. You know, they absolutely and they totally get it as well. Um, so once the introductions were made and you'll appreciate, I mean, you can see it across many different clubs at the moment. And, you know, different people from sports, sporting backgrounds, golfers are getting involved. American football players are getting involved. Film, you know, film stars are getting involved. Do perfect was something that we always felt would be a really really wonderful uh junior sponsor yeah um and in fact um i have had emails from even even man united fans saying that their children have told them they don't want a man united shirt this season they want to do perfect 
So they don't, didn't necessarily say Burnley, yeah. but they want to do perfect shit. Yeah, so yeah my little lad calls it his do perfect shirt as well. And that, <laughs> and that says volumes about the, 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 the power of that sponsor. And we've got yeah. adults coming in saying, what's the biggest size you do a do perfect shirt? In? <laughs> right? um, unfortunately, most of them are not going to fit into it. Um, <laughs> but um, so, so, they, so I want you to be clear about one thing, which is that this isn't like if someone knocks on the door and says, hey, we were interested in being part of this club. We go, oh, yeah, great. Sign up here. Yeah. This is a really considered partnership. What value does it give? I mean, I, I I don't remember off the top of my head what the total number of followers those two groups of people have. Because remember, we often talk about JJ and we forget the fact that he's married to Kialia, who is herself an international USA soccer player mm. or was. Yeah. She recently retired, right? Um, yeah. And if you took her on a tour of a, of a city in the US, they'd be asking for her signature. Yeah. Right. So she brings her own followers. JJ's obviously got his followers. Do perfectly got this. But we're we're well over 160 million followers across all platforms for those for those individuals. Yeah. So when when he's posting about being at the club or when Do Perfect are filming, which is what they did here, one of their stunts, everything Brilliant. is linked to Burnley. Yeah. Right. So, you know, it's it's great exposure for us. So so later in the year, we're, we're going to run some competitions about bringing some fans from the US over here for an all expenses trip paid, you know, and we'll take them on the, the typical Burnley tour and we'll put them into Growwood and we'll we'll bring them to a game and we'll give them a great time. We'll dress them head to toe in Burnley stuff and we'll send them back. Um, you know, well, if I, if, I, if I try and launch something like that, I do it from my Instagram or Twitter account. Yeah. It's not going to reach anyone. JJ puts it out, Dude Perfect put it out, Kialia yeah. put it out, and we have other partners coming. Yeah. Suddenly you were getting 160 million people with eyes on that. Yeah. Mm. So, you know, what I'm really conscious about, and I know we've touched on it, is, is that that isn't, that isn't my absolute focus. It's one of my focuses, mm. right? My absolute focus is making sure that every fan who comes to this ground has the best experience they can have. And that's yeah. going to be 99% of that's people from the, within eight miles of the club, mm. right? So I don't want I don't want people to think oh what he's talking about is getting new fans. What I'm talking about is making new fans around the world. Yeah. So that mm. we can put Burnley literally on the map. Yeah, we we un, we understand that from our point like mine and so mine and Joe's point of view. We we understand that there's only 22,000 seats at Turf Moor, you know, it's it's a very small ceiling that eventually there's not much more you can do to get more bums on seats unless we know as the the memes usually go on twitter is you put a third, second tier on bob lord that's all <laughs> seems to be the running joke which is you know it might happen who knows but well, it, physically under- it can be done um yeah, yeah. but but it, you know th- i mean this is a really big topic isn't it i mean what do you do do you build more seats and then you leave them empty what what is burnley's capacity yeah. you know mm. and um we're, you know, the chairman's really mindful about that. Will, will there be increased capacity in due course? Well, that depends on the success of the club. Yeah. Um, but, but, but yes, I mean, we wouldn't, we wouldn't say no to that. You know, yeah. it, it's not to say it's not to say it wouldn't, but it would have to be. We do not want to make the same mistakes other clubs have made that when they have a little bit of success, they go boom. Let's spend That's half a billion quid on a, on a on a new state, and then you can't buy any players, you can't pay anyone, yeah. and the thing goes belly up, right? Um, yeah. So uh, we've been to enough grounds around, you know, in the last couple of seasons, particularly last season, where, you know, we're taking more fans than they've got, right? <laughs> so, we, yeah. we, you know, again, this is, the, this is the business acumen that's so important to running a football club. Yeah. You know, yeah, let's say we understand the soul, like the, the pushing with JJ and Do Perfect. We understand yeah. that it's going to, we're going to reap the rewards of that in maybe 
you know, 10 years time when these sort yeah. of, you know, seven, eight, nine, 10, 12, 13 year olds then have their own sort of money and then decide mm-hmm. to come to Burnley, you know, and whatnot. So we get that side of it all. Um, mm-hmm. But I just want to move things on back to Burnley again, more local, bring mm-hmm. it all back in again. Um, fan advisory board, obviously that was, correct me if I'm wrong here, but it was a Premier League directive, wasn't it? That mm-hmm. every, you know, so we went early with that, didn't we? In, in anticipation that we'd be back in yeah. the Premier League. Yeah. What do, what, yeah. What, um, what, what do you hope, what are you hoping to get out of the fan advisory board? And, and as is them, is the ideas that them guys put to you, are they taken on board? Are they, are they, are, do you run with a lot of the ideas or is, is it more just a, like you say, just a conversational piece between the club and the fans as a, as a brief sounding board? What, explain that a little bit more because I think some fans are still a little bit yeah. unsure and skeptical of the idea of the fan mm-hmm. advisory board. Yeah, happy to address that. Um, so first of all, yes, we did go early. Um, that, that almost seemed a little arrogant, I suppose. It wasn't meant to be. Uh, we weren't saying, well, clearly we're going to be in the Premier League next season. Actually, what we decided was that as a model, that was really good, no matter which division we were in, um, that we felt that actually the Premier League were onto something really good with this, which was making sure that we had a real connection with fans that was um, helpful in, in directing uh, how the club is run. Uh, or, or implementing ideas that the club were considering that were either good, bad or indifferent as far as a group of fans were concerned. So, yeah, we went early uh, and we went with the brief guidance that was given. And obviously, having been promoted, um, that became uh, a requirement of the Premier League um, at the 1st of June. So I attended some training meetings in London um, and, you know, and, and took on board where we needed to be going forward. Um, it's not legislative, but it's but it is a requirement, and it's quite wide. Um, and the reason the reason for a fan advisory board, just just so we're coming, I mean, if you think about the role of any advisory board, it is only that. Mm-hmm. It is to advise um, owners of businesses um, things that could be or should be done to improve the state of the business, or in this case, the football club. Yeah. Um, it doesn't mean to say that everything that they say we do, uh, and it, and it's a two way street. Definitely, it's not just them saying. And, and I think this is really important to understand about an advisory board. It's not just a one-way street of the fan advisory board going, what about this or what about that? Or you do this wrong, you're rubbish at that. It's it's much more of a collaborative ar- arrangement where some we give them an opportunity to talk about, and we spoke about this earlier in the podcast, uh, about many of the things that are trending on, on the socials and what's happening yeah. in the supporter groups and the, and the fan boards and all that kind of stuff. We talk about some of that stuff. But what we also want to take is the chance to be able to update them about things that are going on in the club or that we're thinking Mm. about doing. And if you look at the actual advisory board, we have the largest advisory board in the Premier League. Most have between eight and 16 tops. Mm. And we're the only fan advisory board presently that has um, junior members on. So we've got four under the age of 18. Uh, The board is split almost entirely 50-50 between male and female. Uh, every age group is is categorized. Yeah. Uh, we're mindful that we have two supporters on that board with disabilities um, and two from the South Asian community as well, um, also from the LGBT communities. And so what we're trying to get away from, I think, previously in many clubs, and I think that Burnley was probably in the same pot with this, was that if 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 we're not careful, it's really mm-hmm. easy to get a one, the lens through which most supporters look through tends to be a white middle-aged man yeah sometimes of privilege if you want it's that kind of we're trying to get away from that there are white middle-aged men on that board Mm -hmm. but there are also a huge diverse range of people so when we ask 
somebody about so let me give you one example okay so first meeting um we had one of our junior members on there who the chairman and by the way the chairman uh, i chair that the chairman attends or one of his partners uh, and they have a slot we also have the playing side that come along and then i i pick various people from the club to present different yeah. ideas um and chairman was in this first meeting we've had three so far we've got another one in september or four a year um and one of the junior members said to the chairman you know he said what questions are there at the end and she said can i ask a question why do you have two instagram accounts one for the men's team and one for the women's team one has less than 5000 followers one has like 85000 followers um and of course he did the obvious thing, which is he looked at me, <laughs> which I had no answer. Um, and he just looked at her and he said, uh, I will amalgamate those accounts with immediate effect. Um, yeah. And the social media team slid off their chairs because obviously it's not actually straight as quite as straightforward as that. <laughs> um, and so with, but within two weeks or so, both of those accounts were, were amalgamated. Yeah. Um, and so that came from a 14 year old girl on the board. Yeah. Um, and so um, what we're hoping is, is that, that, that what advice we're getting through that board, it mm. does represent it does represent the fans feelings. But it is put forward in a way that is advisory. Yeah. So we could have a moaning group or a complaining group or a whinging yeah. group or a blaming group or any number of other groups. But we're trying to look forward and we're trying to come up with solutions, not talk about all the problems. Yeah. Um, and we don't mean by that to exclude the supporters groups because th that's not what we're doing. Mm. There are members of supporters groups that are on the board and there are many who are not. Mm. That's actually part of the plan. Mm. Um, we understand that support heads of supporter groups uh, represent large portions of supporters. But actually, we wanted to try and get every single person is a, t is a season ticket holder and every single person lives in Burnley. Then there was questions about what about the ones that live in London or New York? These mm. are... These are things that we'll address yeah. and we can evolve the board and we can change the board and we can make changes to the way that we operate. But at the moment, we're entirely compliant and actually leading out, I believe, um, uh, in, in the way in which the Fan Advisory Board meets. Now, last thing to say on this is that that doesn't mean to say that it is our only source of communication with the fans. Um, yeah. We can still have fan forums. We can still have fan engagement. Um, but the fan engagement and fan forums need to understand that we need to work together collaboratively to come up with solutions about things. Mm -hmm. um, and, and hopefully throughout this podcast, it will become evident to most people, I hope, that we are serious about finding solutions. Yeah. I'm not coming on here and we're not going onto the fan advisory board to brush stuff off or yes, 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 and do nothing. Um, can we solve every problem? No. Um, will we... Uh, come up with really great ideas i hope so um and hopefully those will complement the vision that the ownership have yeah so hopefully hopefully that's answered some of it there might be other things if there's anything i didn't no, address i'm happy to, no, to, to be honest you, you've covered it all there really like i, I just mm -hmm. wanted to sort of iron out a few sort of like yeah no, it's good to do myth, it myths around it online yeah, i think some people it. some people have, have been abused for being in the fan advisory board yeah. some, but you know some people well, get, you here, know like horrible dms say. about and i wanted to help them to yeah. So, this. yeah so here's the thing right so we well, i've held off putting a web page up about this mm -hmm. because which by the way we're required to do uh, and i have that mandate to do before the end of august mm -hmm. um I don't I don't want to go into any specifics or details, but but think about Everton yeah. and their last season. 
the abuse suffered by some of their FAB members was abhorrent. Yeah. And I look around that room of 22 people who are giving up their time and energies to spend three or four hours every quarter with us. And I don't want to expose them any, any more unnecessarily than I need to, to what's coming. But at the same stretch, the rubber has to hit the road somewhere. Right. And we're, I don't want to use them as a foil is what I'm saying. Right. And so we're meeting with each of them to say, right, we're almost ready to, to launch this page. Do we put your photo on? Do we put your full name on? We're certainly not going to put all your contact details on. But my point is, is that, let's be honest, in, in social and in a town like this, you know, everyone knows everyone somehow. Right. Yeah. It's not difficult. And I'm certainly concerned about the youngsters, you know. Um, yeah. And so so what I don't want to happen is for the FAB members yeah. to become um, abused unnecessarily in a way that is not what was intended. We want this to be a positive, forward-looking, collaborative way of seeing the fans supporting the FAB to put forward things that in this two-way street, the club and the fans can meet somewhere. Yeah. And if they're abusive of that situation, then we're really falling foul of ourselves and actually not living up to who I think we are as a club and as a fan base. No. And you're always going to get that minority and we will help deal, yeah. deal with that. We've got ways of monitoring those accounts and canceling out some of that naysaying and, and the inappropriate stuff. Yeah. But you know, we, we don't want to become the nanny state. We, no. it's, it's just difficult finding that balance, um, which is why we've not been, I wouldn't say we're hiding the FAB and we're not trying to be, evasive around it. it hasn't been a requirement until june 1st we've done it off our own back yeah so we mm. don't feel like we owe anybody an explanation but at the same stretch we're doing incredible things in that fan advisory board yeah. and in order for that to continue it needs to be respected yeah um yeah for the record like myself and joe we're not on the fan advisory board but i, I just want to say that we will support anyone who is and make sure that you know they're not getting abuse online or in anything you know we we don't we're not we always try and pr promote a you know a nice fan base a good you know positive fan base and we'll always push that so you know we'll always sort of help them on the fan advisory yeah. board and i think yeah. joel will echo that before you know so. but we also can't we can't avoid that there will be emotive things discussed yeah, on there and everyone's going to agree with and i completely understand that but it's how we go about it and how we respect those people that are giving up their time and energies really yeah, definitely. I do agree with everything that's just been said then. But one of the emotive things that was discussed recently through a fan advisory board and changed for a fan advisory well, I, th I think the fan advisory board had a little bit to do with it, was yeah. the loyalty point system. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of people were quite angry that they suddenly lost a lot of points. I think me and Nathan discussed it on a podcast. So I think I think you might have actually discussed it with Sam Nathan. I can't remember. Yeah, it's probably the right thing to do because uh, it, it gets rid of people hoarding points and, and it rewards um, people that have been going for the last, I think, what is it, five years. Um, but, yeah, do you just want to just um, explain the thoughts behind the move to the newer system? Yeah, I think we all agreed at the beginning of that FAB meeting that there was almost a no-win situation here, um, which is often the case with these types of things. You, you know, you you, you please a certain part of the fan base and then you disappoint the other and vice versa. So we recognize that there was, it wasn't exactly a no win situation because I think that we've actually come out with a, a solution that was, was well thought through. And, and actually the way that we approached it with the FAB is that we kind of gave them options. We said, we can leave it the same. We can make some really radical changes or we can find some halfway house, but what's the aim? What's the aim of the changes? Is it just to annoy the fans? Of course not. Is it to prejudice older fans? No, not at all. But um, what, what we, we took to the fan advisory board was the view, the vision that 
if any process in a club, and let's be honest, this this is a process that is that plagues almost every club. Right? And I, I don't know that actually any club, I, I'm not saying they haven't, but I don't know that any club has actually really nailed this um, and that it's like the perfect model and we would otherwise we'd follow it. So we had to look at what works for Burnley. And the reality is, is that we actually have, we have quite an old fan base, right? Which just generically means that actually a lot of that fan base genuinely have a lot of points. And, and actually for the data that we have, quite a number of them didn't actually travel. So it was mm. almost, like, I mean, obviously I'm saying, I'm not saying that they didn't, that they didn't ever go, but what I'm saying is, is that actually, um, I mean, it's like, it's even like, you know, sell out on, on, on Friday here. We still had over a thousand people that didn't show up. Mm. It's like, what? I mean, I just, I just don't understand that. Do you know what I mean? We've got people literally queuing up, begging us for tickets outside, and a thousand people didn't show up. So you multiply yeah. that with a wet, wet away Tuesday fixture that they look outside and no, I'm not going tonight. Um, couple that with the fact that what we keep getting is expressions that families and young people just were going to have to be alive for another 50, 60 years before they could ever qualify to go. Yeah. And so what we what we felt was the right thing to do, and the Fan Advisory Board helped us to, to shape that view, was that surely the most recently active regardless of age or how long that's been coming have been supporting the club should have the first opportunity or an equal opportunity to be able to apply for away tickets mm. um and so it really wasn't any more complicated than that we could spend two hours talking about it but the reality is is that was the bottom line was that it it doesn't prejudice the active recently supporting fans mm. and surely in any walk of life that's that's who should be, you know, I mean, we, we're all sick and tired, aren't we, of, of, of I was going to name someone then, but, you know, <laughs> a TV provider who always offers, you know, um, yeah. you know, exclusive deals for those who have shown no loyalty to the brand, while yeah. the rest keep paying through the nose. Yeah. And that's mm -hmm. kind of what we're trying to get away from. It's like, well, actually, you know, we're not saying to the old customers, if you want, you're not important to us, which has been a lot of the sentiment we've got is, oh, you're ageist, you're discriminating yeah. against the elderly goodness me that's not what we're trying to do at all but what i am doing is i'm looking into the eyes of the youngsters mm. many who don't have the same color face as mine mm. and seeing a, a wide range of players on the pitch that they've never been able to come to turf more and see before and go and watch yeah. them play yeah and 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 that's our future yeah when we talk about alan looking forward he's wanting to ensure that the fan base is represent that goes to away matches as well is actually yeah. really representative of the cross section of who is not only playing on the pitch but is coming here and watching at Turf Moor, yeah. and we felt like that was really pretty much one of the only ways that we felt was a fair way of doing it. Yeah, it was good. Like I fell foul to the loiter point scheme. I went from sort of just over ten thousand points to eight hundred, <laughs> but that's just my previous. You know, my working schedule just didn't fit in with travelling. So I had, to, and I just had a young lad. He's just turning two this year, so it's fine. But my loyalty has now been rewarded for the last five years. Like I've not been as loyal as someone that's been going for the last five years. So I should, I shouldn't get the same level of access as someone that has been more loyal. So I understand it, even though it affected me, but I went from just, I couldn't, I could just wander up and get a ticket whenever I wanted. I didn't have to go to all the games. Mm -hmm. I could just go and jump to the front of the queue mm -hmm. and someone would miss out that went to the last 20 yeah. away game, mm -hmm. you know? So I get it. I understand it. And I think it's a really positive move. Um, and I'm, I'm all for it, even though, like I said, it really did affect me and it, it, it has affected me. I'm going to have to sort of build it up again, which is fine. It is what it is. Well, I think perspective is really important here. Just the last point on this is, is that if you look at last season for every away game, where we have 23 away games, 
plus the cups. Mm. Um, I don't want to be misquoted here, but we either sold out on three or four games away. Yeah. Right. So actually, technically, to 19 or 20 games, you could have got a ticket to any of yeah. those games. I know that there were big key crunch matches that yeah. everybody would have liked to have been at, but actually, we'd have never been able to sell tickets to everyone who wanted to go to those anyway. No. But actually, you know, probably 19 or 20 of those games, you could have gone if yeah. you wanted to. You know? Yeah. I was it's there good. at Bournemouth. I... I didn't see anyone down there. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm all for it. Um, one last question from myself. Um, safe standing. Yeah. Where are we on this? The fans want it. I want it. It's now safe and practical. We are allowed mm -hmm. to use it. Are we going to get it? Because I think it would really, really, especially in that sort of a barnfield section, you know, that's sort of become our little singing section now, as it were. And I think yeah, it would really, yeah. really, yeah. I mean, they already stand there now as it is anyway. So I think it would really yeah. benefit that stand going forward. Where, where are we with that? And are we going to get it? So simple fact is, is that I can't comment too much on it. Genuinely, I think you've, Yep. Seeing, I've tried to answer every question I can. Um, our director of operations um, is dealing with that at the moment. And I will tell you that the club is supportive. Yep. So will we get there? I, I can only imagine yes, but I don't know when. But we're not saying no. And we're not saying that it won't be soon. We, we've got some well-documented issues with other people around the sta stadium standing when we wish they wouldn't. Um, mm. It spoils. I know they feel they have a right to do that. Um, technically, they don't. And they do spoil the view for others um, is the solution to create safe standing. Of course it is. Um, will we do that? Yeah. I mean, I'm old enough to know that when I used to go to games, I grew up a Brighton fan. I grew up in the South coast. Um, you know, the, uh, and, and I don't remember ever having a seat before I was 18. I don't think, you know, so, I mean, it's in our DNA. I get it. Um, uh, I just, I can't, um, I can't tonight say to you, yes, it's going to be, 15th of November and we're all sorted it's just not that close but 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 we're not saying no I mean we are devising plans and Doug who's our um, uh, director of operations is working closely with Alan and ownership about how to do that so it will come that's fine it's positive it's positive news it's what fans yeah. want to hear yeah, yeah. Uh, any ideas where I know you said there's not too much you can say on it at the minute is any ideas where you think it would be if it did come in I know Nathan then mentioned the barnfield section and others that the lower tier of the is it the, the long side as we traditionally call it as well yeah um I would be guessing but I would think that the barn side, uh, barnfield stand makes the most mm. obvious sense but whether yeah, or not that's sense, what, yeah. uh, Doug decides uh, as an operational side is entirely up to him and will be guided by his guidance on that yeah Yep, fair it's, enough. It makes logical sense, but that doesn't mean to say that that's where it will be. Yeah, mm. yeah. No, that's fine. That's that, that's answered that question, and I say it's just another positive update. It seems to rear its head and then vanish for another six months. Yeah, I think we were a bit so. shy to start with. You know, there were a few yeah. clubs who put their hands up and said we'll try it. Um, yeah. And you know, I'm not going to lie, we we probably wanted to see what their reactions were, how it got on. Yeah. Um, we had enough of our own stuff going on with, with that, adding that in as well. Uh, yeah, but as I say, looking forward, I'm, I'm confident something will, will, will be arranged. Great. Right. Happy well, days, I think yeah. that's probably about a right place to wrap things up. Sure. Um, I just want to say on behalf of myself and Joe and Turfcast, really, really appreciate you taking your time to talk to us. Um, I know you've got a busy schedule and you're out fighting the good fight of fan experience. <laughs> yeah. um, but no, we really do appreciate it. And uh, yeah, thanks for taking your time. Can I add anything, Joe? No, just just same as, as you, mate. Thank you for coming on, Russell. We do appreciate it. it it's good to get somebody uh, from within the club to talk about things happening in the club. So yeah, it's been a pleasure, mate. 
Well, all I can say in closing, guys, is uh, firstly, thank you for inviting me on. Uh, and I want you and everybody involved to know that this ownership and this uh, playing and management team, um, they, they don't know how to lose in their life. So um, losing will be a, a very bitter pill for them to swallow. So hopefully uh, that will be good ingredients for us all uh, in, in going forward. Great. Definitely. Thank okay. you very much, Russell. Good to be with you. Bye. Look back for Arfield. One up early. Scott Arfield. He's been threatening that recently. And all the Burnley players run to the Darwin end. Thank you everybody for listening to the latest episode of Turfcast Podcast. If you don't already, please subscribe to the channel or the podcast. You can follow us on all the social media channels as well. You can just search Turfcast Podcast in all the usual places. Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates have already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Automate delivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.